Hey everyone, this is Dorenda Wilson. Welcome to my podcast. If you don't know me already, I'm married to Daryl. We have eight kids, ages 12 to 26, five boys, three girls, and we have four grandkids. We are just getting into our 22nd year of homeschooling. I don't even know. I, I've lost count. But I was laughing the other day because I realized I've had maybe two or three fleeting thoughts about what we're doing this year for homeschool. Um, so if you're feeling behind, just let that make you feel a little better. <laughs> you're welcome. So if you haven't connected with me yet on social media or on my blog, you can find my blog at DorendaWilson.com. My Facebook page is Dorenda Wilson, and my Instagram is Dorenda Lee Wilson. So I have kind of an unusual name, so it's pretty easy to find me if you um, do social media or have a little time for that. I know some women just say, I don't have time for that, and I say, good for you. Um, I meet a lot of moms who are working really hard to keep those boundaries on social media, and I am your biggest cheerleader. So. Um, you make your husband and your kids a priority and your walk with God a priority. And uh, that's, you're never going to regret that. So I wanted to um, remind you that I was going to do a drawing for uh, a, a copy of a free copy of my book called the unhurried homeschooler. I asked everybody to leave comments and you guys left them all over the place. It was fantastic. It was so much fun reading um, how the Lord used last week's podcast in your life. And um, I'm just, I'm so grateful to God because he is the one who provides all that nourishment. I just feel like I'm the straw that you're drinking the protein drink through. Um, and that's a privilege for me. But all that nourishment, it comes from him. And we can just be so grateful to him because he loves his kids. He loves to bless us. He loves to nurture us. And um, he just has so much good for us. So I'm excited about what I'm going to be sharing with you today. But first, I want to do the drawing for the for the book. Um, so here I've got all the names and I'm going to put them. They're all in this little bag right here. I'm going to go ahead and pull one out. All right, let's see who it is. It's Sarah. So Sarah, if you will email me, Dorenda will, let's see, what is my email address? <laughs> Dorenda at DorendaWilson.com. Send me your address and I will send you a free copy of my book. And I'm going to do the same thing next week. So if you'll leave a review or a comment, I think it's just comments on SoundCloud, that helps move the podcast up. And uh, so more moms will hopefully find it. Um, we're also working on getting this on iTunes. I am not techie. My son is pretty techie, but we're, we're putting our heads together and trying to figure it out and trying to get that on iTunes for those of you who use that, because I know a lot of you do. So hopefully this podcast will make it on iTunes this next week. So Sarah, congratulations on the book. And I have some great stuff to share with you. I want to start by telling you a story. Um, you know, I, most of you know, we all, uh, our family moved across the country about three months ago from Washington State to North Carolina. And um, it was a big move. Um, some of our kids hadn't even seen North Carolina until the last couple of months, or uh, excuse me, about a month or so before we moved. But anyway, all that to say, we decided to buy a little house that we renovated. It was an old house that had been um, 
pretty neglected and uh, was owned by the bank. So we bought that and we've renovated the inside. We're finishing up the outside and we turned it into an Airbnb. And the little town that we did that in is a town that Andy Griffith grew up in. And so lots of tourists come to go to the Andy Griffith Museum and do the squad car tours and all of that. So that's uh, one of the reasons that we moved here. And we just love this little town and are loving the people here. But all that to say, there's been a lot going on for several months now. Um, we didn't decide to do this until February. So all that to say, I'm laying in bed the other night. And I just, I'm like, Lord, what is wrong with me? I am so anxious. I'm so wound up inside. I just felt all tight. And I'm like, what is going on? Why am I anxious? What am I fearful about? I can't even think, you know? So I'm laying there and go, Lord, you know my heart. You know me better than I know myself. Would you just reveal my heart to me? Show me what's going on here. And as I laid there, um, you know, I didn't expect an answer right away, but the Lord put the word yield in my, in my mind. And I thought, yield wow, how yielded am I to God's plan each day? What are my days looking like? And it really got me to thinking. So even saying that word and meditating on that word um, really started to help me relax. And so I fell asleep and the next morning I got up and I thought, you know, I'm going to look up all the different uh, meanings that I can find on the word yield. So here are some of the ones I ran across give way to pressure, submit, relent, give up the struggle, give way, give in, and relinquish possession. And the last one was surrender. And as I was reading these words, and I was reading them in light of yielding to God, and knowing that he's a good God, I, I felt my tension level just going down, down, down. But it really got me thinking about how I was living my days. And I think as homeschooling moms, um, this can be particularly, uh, we, we are tempted to do this more because we're with our kids so much and we've got so much on our plates, you know, planning their schoolwork and making sure that our days are productive and all of that, that I think um, we can struggle with this as well. And that is a, a yielding our days to him yielding his plan for our school, our schoolwork to him. You know, um, it's so easy to look around and to see all these different ways that people are homeschooling and just to feel inadequate. Oh, we, we need to be doing that. We need to be doing that. And it's never ending. It is literally never ending. So it would behoove us to pause. And I talk about this a lot, to slow down, to unhurry our hearts so that we can hear from the Lord and what he has for our family. So I think about that, that term relinquish possession. Am I trying to hang on to our homeschooling and make it look like what I think it should look like? Are we doing that? Because I know that's a temptation. It's a temptation with my home, our homeschooling. It's a temptation with our parenting. It's a temptation with our marriage. And yet God is calling us to yield in obedience to him, to surrender to him. You know, when Jesus was walking on this earth, he was fully yielded to God's plan. He wasn't here on his own agenda. He was here on God's agenda. And it's no different for us. We are here to fulfill his purposes. And when we're doing that, there's freedom and there's peace in that. 
So let's talk a little bit more about, you know, when we got saved and, and we came to know the Lord, his word says that in Isaiah, that he basically replaces our heart of stone, which is a rebellious heart, and gives us a heart of flesh, which is the ability to yield. Now think about that. Before we were saved, we didn't have the ability to yield. We just had this rebellious heart, and that's all we had was this heart of stone. And God has given us instead a heart of flesh. And so we have now the ability to yield to his plan. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it, and we're tempted not to. But again, God's word says that for every temptation, he makes a way out. So we have no excuses. Fortunately, God is very gracious and he understands that we're dust and we make mistakes and that's what the blood of Jesus, it just is so gracious and covers, you know, our imperfections. But what we're really asking ourselves right now is, am I yielding to God's plan for my family? Am I yielding to God's plan for my marriage? Am I yielding to God's plan for our homeschooling days? That can be, um, you know, like a question that we, that we look at everything through. But also, um, you know, the big picture, but also daily, on a daily basis. Do you ever find yourself just hitting obstacle after obstacle? And I have found that when that happens to me, if I take the time to stop and just go, Lord, do you have another plan for us? Is this just not the plan for today? Because, you know, I, I'm a checklist kind of gal. And, and sometimes, I, well, a lot of times, actually, I just want to get that gosh darn checklist done because it makes me feel good. It gives me a sense of power, a sense of control. And God is saying, no, yield to me, yield to my plan for your family because it is the best. And honestly, I think that when we start to do that, it, it's, it's just such a, there's such freedom in it to walk by his spirit, to hear from him what he has for our family. Now let's talk about what the opposite of that looks like. And I know I can relate to these things too, because all kinds of yucky feelings come with this, but the opposite of walking by the spirit and yielding to the Lord is this, getting satisfaction from independence, power, prestige, and worldly pleasures. And I think sometimes I look at that list and I think, oh, that's not me. Oh, wait a minute. Let's stop and think about this for a minute. Um, when I, when God is clearly changing the plan for the day and I'm still fighting for my way, isn't that independence? When I, when I put something up on Facebook, cause I kind of, you know, in my heart of hearts, I really want everybody to just see what a great homeschooling mom I am. Isn't that prestige? Yeah. Ouch. And when I'm running over my kids and my husband, because we got to get this plan, this plan has to come together. We have to we have to get through the checklist. Isn't that power? Isn't that me trying to get satisfaction from power? Yeah. This is painful. Man, are you feeling the pain? I'm feeling it. But I'm reading this and I'm thinking, oh, God has such better things for us. And yet we sometimes continue on and we try to do our own thing and we make these sacrifices and we just feel so good about these sacrifices because you know we're doing this for our family but then we kind of start to burn out and we're like oh, man nobody appreciates what i'm doing and then i move into what i call the mommy martyrdom syndrome and that is when 
I feel like nobody appreciates me. Nobody notices what I'm doing. I've made all these sacrifices and I am sick and tired and I'm really tired, 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 tired. And then I go ahead and tell my family all about it and complain and tell them how unhappy I am and that never ends well. And then here I sit and I think, what just happened? (laughs) And I realized that I was doing some stuff that God really didn't call me to do. And he's not interested in sacrifices that I make that aren't in obedience to him. You know, in 1 Samuel 15, 22, uh, Samuel had told, God had told Saul through Samuel that he needed to destroy this, I think it was the Amalekites, everybody, everything. There was to be no hesitation. He was to destroy everything. Well, he destroyed everything except he did not kill the king. And he was quite pleased with himself. He's like, he told Samuel, Samuel's like, what have you done? You you disobeyed the Lord. And he said, well, I killed everything and I did everything I was supposed to do. I just, you know, kept the king. And Samuel's response was this, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. Do you hear what God's saying there? He's saying, you can make these sacrifices but they're meaningless unless you're walking in obedience to me, unless I've asked you to make those sacrifices. And if he asks you to make those sacrifices, he is going to give you the grace to carry them out. And you're not going to end up in that low spot of, you know, mommy martyrdom. So, so that I thought was a great scripture reference, um, to remind us about sacrifice and obedience. Um, So the other thing that uh, other quote I wanted to share with you is from John Piper. He said, it is possible to undertake the most sacrificial acts imaginable for other people and still not please God. Did you hear what he said there? I can be making all these sacrifices and I'm still not pleasing God. First Corinthians 13 says, um, it talks about, it talks about love and how we can make all these sacrifices. We can, Uh, you know, have our our bodies burned um, and all of that. But it it means nothing if it's not, if we don't have love. It's like a, it's like clanging symbols. In Hosea 6, 6, it says, I want to show, I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. Do you hear that? That just brings tears to my eyes. He wants us to walk in relationship and in obedience to him. He doesn't want us making these crazy sacrifices that don't mean anything. He wants us to be doing everything out of love for him, love for our kids, love for our husbands. And that's what's so beautiful about 1 Corinthians 13. It's saying you can do all of these things, but if you have not love, it means nothing. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling really convicted here. (laughs) I don't know about y'all, but woo. Um, so one of the things, other things that I wanted to share with you, one of the other verses is, um, well, first I want to tell you a story because we had an experience. Um, our son who is, uh, he'll be 13 in September, he was born with a major heart defect. 
And I am not talking a hole in the heart that needed to be fixed. I mean, those, those are serious as well, but he had transposition of the greater arteries and two holes in his heart. So the bottom two arteries were uh, reversed. And so he had to go in and have what they call uh, basically a reversal of those. It was a six and a half hour surgery and he was three days old. We did not see this coming. We didn't know he had any problems. Nothing showed up on ultrasound. It was a complete and total surprise to us. So um, I stayed close by for two weeks because I'd had a C-section. But after that, I drove back and forth from our house, which was an hour away, um, back and forth to the hospital. I would spend the morning with our seven other children who were 12 down to two. And then I would drive into the hospital and I would spend the rest of the day with Silas. And then I would drive home again. And every day when I left the house and I left those seven little ones, I, I sobbed and sobbed and sobbed because I had to leave them behind. And then when I left Silas to head back home to be with the, my family again in the evening, I sobbed and sobbed and sobbed because I had to leave my baby behind. I'd never left the hospital without a baby in my arms. And so um, these drives that I made back and forth, there were some serious times with God, some, some times of just major meltdowns. I am sometimes surprised I got there and back safely because I was crying so hard. But I remember a couple of times when um, I just felt like the Lord was calling me to yield um, Silas to him to yield to God and to be willing to say with my mouth that he could take him home to be with him. And that happened two different times. And so I, I, I was compelled to do it. I knew I had to do it and I had, I needed to yield. And so I yielded and I said, Lord, if you want to take Silas home, you can take him. He's yours. It's one of the, it was the, one of the hardest things I've ever had to go through. It was the ultimate in yielding for this mom's heart. And yet when I, the second I did it right on the heels of that, both times it happened, God would say to me, no, you're going to keep him, but you've got to be patient and you're going to have to trust me. And yielding is trusting. Trusting is yielding. And God was calling me to that like he never had before. And I remember saying those words that Jesus said, in the garden repeatedly, not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. I kept saying that and I just thought, you know, as hard as it is to say that, there was so much freedom in that. And that's what God has for you in your family life, in your marriage, in your parenting, and in your homeschooling. He has that kind of freedom for you. If you will yield to him, and stop putting standards on yourself and ideas in your head, embracing things that aren't him. So let's talk a little bit more about this, this yielding thing. Another lesson that God talked to me about, that taught me in the middle of all of that is that I had three choices um, when I was, we were walking through this stuff with Silas. The first was to rebel, which for me was not even an option because I'm thinking, why would I do that? I need God more than ever here. So I guess it was kind of selfish in, in some ways, but rebellion just wasn't an option. I knew it wasn't gonna land any place good. 
So the next one was to resign myself. Okay. I could say, Lord, you know, I don't have any control here. So, you know, I have no control anyway. So you're going to do what you're going to do. You're sovereign over this. So I'll just, whatever happens, happens. And I'll just have to deal with it. You know, my, my third choice was to embrace it. Now that is a whole different ball game because what you're doing is you're not just saying, you're not just resigning yourself to it because there is an element of rebellion, even in resigning yourself to it, because you're basically giving up, but you're not engaging. When you embrace it, you're saying, I am grabbing a hold of this and I am saying it's good. I'm calling it good because God says it's good. And I'm going to move forward in that. And I'm going to trust God in that. And then I'm going to keep doing the next thing because I know that this is good. Even if I can't see how it's good, I don't understand it all fully. I'm going to trust him and I'm going to have that faith that it takes to embrace what he has for us and yield to God's plan. And so there, again, there is so much freedom in that. You know, think about that when it comes to your homeschooling days and to your parenting and to your marriage. Let that just soak in and resonate with you. Are you embracing your marriage for what it is? You know, our husbands aren't perfect. They're never going to be perfect. And there's some things that will never change with them. Can we just embrace them? You know, as long as they're not walking in sin, you know, it's just maybe some irritating habit or something you just wish would be different. But can you just say, you know what, this is who he is. And I love him and he has all these other great qualities and I'm just going to focus on those. And I know that he's the one for me and I'm just going to love him right where he's at. Now, again, I'm feeling convicted here. So I'm preaching to the choir, but you know, when we become yielded, um, when we begin to slow down first, that's the, that's the first thing, you know, I talk so much about unhurried and slowing down because it takes that to be intentional. So, so I, so we slow down, then we, then we start yielding. We start saying, Lord, I, I'm yielding myself to you. What is your plan for me? What is your plan for our family? And as we start to yield, he begins to reveal that plan. And, but sometimes we need to wait on him for that. And we have to not be in a hurry. So uh, one of the, one of my favorite books, um, that I've read. I actually haven't read the whole thing. I'm really terrible about this. I love perusing books or I'll read part of it and not the whole thing. I'm, I'm, I'm a terrible book person. So just know that up front. <laughs> um, you guys are learning all kinds of things about me. You didn't need to know, but we're friends, right? So I want to share with you something. Um, this book is called an unhurried life and it's by Alan Fadling. And by the way, I will put this resource in the show notes with a link so you can go get the book if you want to. I'm going to have several resources there at the end of every podcast. So the things that I mentioned, the scriptures I mentioned, and the um, and the resources I mentioned will be there for you so you don't have to try to track them down. But this book is called An Unhurried Life. And I want to read to you what he, what he has to say about hurrying. He says, I hurry when I believe deep down that God is not watching over and caring for me. I rush to do for myself what I somewhere deep down believe God is failing to do for me. Boy, you hear that? That's me and my checklist, right? And then I, but then Isaiah 30 says this, yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion for the Lord 
is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. God is not going to fail you if you decide to wait on him. The world is in a big stinking hurry, but God is not. And if you wait on him, he will honor it. He will bless it. Here's the other thing he said here in this book. The God for whom I wait does not ration out his generosity. He longs to be gracious to us. What might it do to the pace of my heart if I were more confident of God's genuine desire to bless me? Would I rush around trying to achieve and grab if I let myself believe that God longs to give me more than I can clutch in my white knuckled fists? Wow. Lamentations 3, 24 to 26 says, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. To the one who seeks him, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Do you see how God calls this waiting and the slowing down good? I love it. So I'm supposed to be going through the first chapter of the book. And I am going to touch on that just for a few minutes here. But I really felt like the Lord wanted me to preface this whole going through the book, uh, The Unhurried Homeschooler, with this particular devotional, because um, I think he wants to prepare our hearts for what he has for us. And sometimes there's got to be, you know, like when you plant a garden, you got to kind of get the soil ready before you plant the seeds. And so that's, that's what I felt like God was wanting to do here. So um, in the first chapter, I talk about why we're homeschooling, right? So why do you want to homeschool? Do you know? Have you answered those questions? Some of you have read my book already, but I think it's good to revisit it, especially at the beginning of the school year. Do you remember why you want to homeschool? I think it's important for us to um, make note of that. And I share in here that um, mine was a lot about protection, protecting my kids from from a lot of things. Um, I, I kind of went into the description of some of the things that I was uh, afraid of, some of the things that I knew were out there that um, I really wanted to keep my kids from for a while. You know, a lot of people will pay more attention to their tomato plants or their, you know, their starts that they're going to put in their garden. They'll bring them in at night. They'll put them out during the day and they'll pay so much attention to that. But do we pay that much attention to protecting our kids? Because our kids are young, little saplings. They're, they're little plants that need protection. You know, people have often, you know, they will often accuse us of overprotecting our kids by homeschooling. Um, I think that's becoming less and less frequent as we're seeing so many um, just random acts of violence and just pretty nasty things happening, um, not in every public school, but in a lot of them. And just, it's not going a good direction. So I, I don't think that's really a, a valid argument at all. I never thought it was, but back in the day, maybe it was a little, it seemed a little more valid, um, but people would talk to me about this. And, and, you know, I would say, you know, if you're going to prepare a soldier for war, um, you know, you're not going to stick him out in front of um, an army or, you know, put him out into battle without put doing some major training. There's boot camp. There's, you know, all these different levels of training before you're going to send that soldier out into the battle. And it's no different with our kids. We spend this time, this is boot camp for them. We're teaching them what it looks like 
to uh, fight the battle. We're making them aware of what the battle is and who our war is against and how to fight and how to win. And um, we're equipping them is what we're doing. I would never, it's like sticking a, you know, you take a little kindergartner. I, I guess I just see it this way. This is the picture I get sending my little tiny little kindergartner. They're so little and young. And I see these little kindergartners and I think it's like sticking them in front of an army tank. They've got no chance. It's all, you know, they're going to lose in, in one way or another, they're going to lose. And so this whole thing about not protect, about overprotecting our kids, listen, the world is going to reach out and touch your kids at one point or another, and you deal with it when it happens, but we don't have to invite it in. Right. Okay. So there you go. So um, the last verse that I, the, the passage that I share at the end of the chapter is uh, Deuteronomy 6, 6 to 7. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. It's hard to miss what this passage seems to indicate about time. More time together than a typical school schedule can afford. It paints a picture of daily life together and it doesn't feel rushed. Instead, it centers around an intentional heart set on God's priorities as we walk life out with our kids. Isn't that great? That's what this is really all about. So I have a question for you. Are you confident in God's heart towards you and his genuine desire to bless you? It's an interesting question, isn't it? Because I think sometimes we have a lot less confidence than we think we do. A lot of us see God as a, a God who's ready to punish and nothing could be further from the truth. He's a God of who, who hates sin, but he's made a way for us through Jesus. And we have freedom in him. We have freedom in our Christian walk. We have freedom in our marriage, freedom in our parenting, freedom in our family life, and freedom in our homeschooling. The other thing about homeschooling is that um, one of the best things about it is it's an opportunity to work as unto the Lord with no glamour and no recognition, just a simple act of obedience out of love for him. That's what so much of our days is, isn't it? I, you think about it, you know, you look on social media and you might be getting 5% of someone's life. Don't forget that. I actually had to remind myself of that the other day when I saw somebody who had their table all set and all the kids' homeschool books were in a stack neatly around the table in all of their places with sunshiny faces and a breakfast laid out and little tags by their places. And, you know, if that's something that brings you joy, makes you happy, makes your kids happy, it's something you love, it's how you roll, you should totally do it. If not, you're still going to be okay. So we're here at 22 years of homeschooling. I have never done anything like that. But it was hilarious because when I saw it, I suddenly felt like a failure. <laughs> and I've already graduated five kids. So, you know, just take it with a grain of salt. Enjoy the fact that everybody's wired differently. God has a different plan for every family. And just remember to yield to God's plan for your family. It's the best plan ever. I'm going to leave the scripture references 
on the show notes so you can go back over them if you would like to. Don't forget to think about the question for the week, which is whether or not you really are confident in God's desire to bless you. The other question I want to ask you, so we're going to do two questions this week, is if you could homeschool the way you wanted to homeschool, without any outside influence, without anybody else telling you what to do, or you worrying about what anybody else thought, how would you homeschool? Think about that. Write it down. Pray over it and see if maybe God is wanting to help make some of that happen. Maybe that is his plan for you. Maybe that is how he wants you to yield to him. Who knows? I'm going to take a few minutes here and pray with you because... There's nothing better we can do than to pray over everything. And so, Lord, we just come to you right now. God, we thank you. Thank you for making us moms. Thank you for making us homeschool moms. Thank you for calling us to homeschooling. Lord, I ask that you would help us to slow down, to hit the pause button, to stop and to listen and to yield to whatever your plan is, God. Show us what that looks like, Father. You have a beautiful plan for each of us. It's not perfect. It's never gonna look perfect. It's never gonna look textbook. But God, it's a good plan. And your grace is all over it. And your hands and your fingerprints are all over it, God. And we wanna welcome you to do that. We wanna yield to your plan for our marriages and our families and our homeschooling and our parenting, God. Show us what it looks like to yield to you, God. We love you. We thank you for the way that you love us. In Jesus' name, amen.